Friends, as you know, we've spent the last two Sundays in a sort of deja vu as we've been meditating on that first Easter morning, first from John's Gospel and then last Sunday from Luke. And today we go back in time. We go back to time to a foreshadowing of that Easter morning. And we hear Jesus proclaim himself to be the Good Shepherd. And we hear him foreshadow what this means, what it would later mean, that the Good Shepherd does lay down his life for his sheep, that his love for the sheep, that his love for all of us is unconditional. His love is unto death, that the Good Shepherd is fearless, truly fearless, unlike a hired hand. He will not, he did not see a wolf coming and leave the sheep and run away because we are his. And he's not afraid because he does not work for pay. He willingly lays down his life out of love. It was a gift freely offered. And he knows his sheep and they know him. For to know is to love. Jesus made his offering of love on the cross for you and I. Our return offering is our worship here in this Holy Mass. It is the very gift of our lives. Finally, he says that he, the Good Shepherd, came for all of us. He has other sheep. He has other non-Jews, the Gentiles. Most of us, I would assume, he came to save the whole world. He came and he laid down his life so that we, my friends, would be one, that we would be one flock. And then, as if to make sure the primary attribute of the Good Shepherd is not missed by any of us, he repeats himself four more times. He lays down his life for his sheep. He lays it down. He does it so he can take it up again. He does it on his own. This was a gift freely given, not taken from him, but a gift that is offered. He has the power to lay it down and to take it back up again. My friends, I do love the image of the Good Shepherd. It makes total sense to me. All the attributes of the Good Shepherd do truly resonate with me. But if I'm truly honest with you today, I do struggle with the image of the sheep. I don't want to be a sheep. Sheep are not all that bright after all, and uh, well, we know they do stink. This image of a sheep is in sharp contrast to what I have been preaching about for a very long time, that we are all sons and daughters of the Heavenly Father, that our core identity is not some dumb, smelly animal, but rather Christ himself. We were baptized into Christ. Isn't this, after all, what the second reading from 1 John chapter 3 is getting about? It says, we are God's children now, what we shall be has not yet been revealed. I doubt we become sheep. We shall be like him, it says, for we shall see him as he is. This is a challenging image for me to be a sheep, but I also know that it is an important one. And we can get some help, I think, from the current use of that word. To call someone a sheep is to say that they blindly follow. Well, we are called to follow. 
course, not blindly. In fact, it is by willingly following the Lord that we truly begin to see. We're called to follow the voice. We're called to follow the Good Shepherd's voice, to follow, please God, that familiar voice. What voices, my friends, are we listening to? Whose voice is most familiar to us? The world's voice, pop culture, athletes, politicians, or Jesus's voice? The voices of his appointed shepherds. Today, after all, is Good Shepherd Sunday. And every year it is also World Day of Prayer for vocations. While appreciating all vocations, of course, the church concentrates its attention this day on vocations to the ordained ministries of the priesthood and the diaconate and to the consecrated and religious life in all its forms. Every year on this Sunday, I like to listen to a brilliant homily given by an archbishop in the Philippines, Socrates Villegas. He prepared to ordain some of his men uh, for his archdiocese to the holy priesthood, and he speaks to these men. He really speaks to my heart as well. He speaks to all priests. But I also think he, in a very particular way, within our own states of life, speaks to all of us. He said that then, when they were deliberating about each of these men for the priesthood, they asked if they would be smart enough, if they had the intellect to get good grades. How was their public speaking? How do they relate with other human persons? Were they responsible? In other words, what are their best qualities? What are their strengths? But then so beautifully it occurred to this archbishop to ask, what are their weaknesses? And are they weak enough to be a priest? We, not just priests, my friends, we all need to be weak. Our strengths become obstacles to grace if we are not weak. Are we weak enough so that the power of Christ can truly shine through us? Priests, but really all of us, are called to be weak, so we don't dare to boast. We are called to be, we are called to the Lord because we are weak, but it is that weakness that does make us lovable by the Lord. Anything we do well, any compliments we get for doing it is a gift from the Lord, and so we are not to boast. The weakness, he says, is totally ours. It is our gift to the Lord, and it is our weakness that we will be made strong through his grace. The archbishop then said that they asked whether they were men of character, or we are men and women of character, are we virtuous? Are we lacking in anything, or are we truly a whole person? Then it occurred to him to ask, are they broken enough to be a priest? Are we, my friends, broken enough to be a disciple? Does he, do we carry in our lives enough brokenness that God can make us whole? If there is not enough brokenness, there is not enough participation in the passion and death of the Lord. 
formation's whole role, our real, our, the role really of our continuing spiritual journey is what he says is a breaking and a breaking and a breaking until we are truly crushed, crushed by the Lord and his grace in order that God can put us back together into a beautiful mosaic that is life-giving. He warned his future priests to be careful when they break bread, to be careful when they break the body of the Lord. When doing so, he told them they must promise to ask the Lord to also break each of them. And that when we are broken, when we are despised by the people, when people gossip about us, they calumniate us, when we are allowed to suffer for the Lord, consider it a gift and say thank you. It is our path to holiness. God will, after all, put us back together into that beautiful mosaic. Finally, he said that the priesthood is not all that attractive these days. We don't need a reminder. But evidently in his country at the time, there was a great persecution going. In fact, some priests and bishops had been killed. And of course, throughout the world, they too suffered with the sexual abuse crisis. And the formators asked, are these men brave enough to be priests? Will they courageously stand up for the faith? But then the archbishop, I think so beautifully, asks, are they afraid enough to be priests? An interesting question, especially perhaps for this priest when I speak often against fear, but then he explained himself so beautifully. He said, be afraid to sin. Be afraid to sin, to cause scandal. Be afraid of hypocrisy and sacrilege. Be afraid to not be truly generous and kind. Be afraid to be separated from the Lord and his people. My friends, no doubt it is obvious why this homily really resonates with me so much. For I know I am truly weak. I am very broken and very much afraid. You know, I'm afraid to mess up. Yet thankfully I have realized this is also my pathway to peace and joy. The Lord has helped me to experience levels of peace and joy, having now embraced my weakness, brokenness, and fear. I'm sorry if you've been the instrument, or if I've been an instrument of your weakness, brokenness, and fear, if I have caused scandal to you. The priesthood can be exhausting at times, but I've discovered the times that I am most tired are the times I'm trying to give myself to you. You don't want me. Only my mom wants me, really, but uh, you want Jesus in me. You want Jesus working in and through me. Yes, the Lord wants to use my particular gifts. I do have a few. He gave them to me to be used. But more importantly, he oftentimes also wants to use my weakness, my brokenness, and even my fear. I think there can be a wrong or a misconceived notion of how to discern the vocation to the priesthood or consecrated life. People see their priests up here and, in, and throughout the parish. They see their religious brothers and sisters, and they say, I can do that. I have many of the same gifts. I am, in fact, way smarter than Father Dyer. I am way more articulate. 
I'm a lot younger, I have a lot more energy, I'm holier, I'm kinder, I have much more to offer the church. No doubt there are many here that could say these things and more, but no, it is more likely that God will call you by pointing out to you your many flaws, by revealing your unworthiness. No one is worthy to be a priest. God, no one is worthy to make God present here in this Holy Mass in the Eucharist, to make mercy itself present in the confessionals, to baptize, to comfort the sick, to teach, to proclaim the word. If called, he will help you better understand that he wants to use even your brokenness, your weakness, your fear to bring about his glory. It is a sign of his power. It is a sign of his goodness. It is a sign of his mercy that he can use flawed men to bring about infinite grace. Of course, he wants to use our gifts, but especially, I think, our shortcomings. The Good Shepherd is other-directed. He is devoted totally to the other. This message should resonate, I think, with all of us, even those of us not called to the Holy Priesthood. And so regardless of the particular way God is calling each of us to live out our universal call to holiness, for most of you, of course, that is marriage. Many of you are already living out that vocation. All of us, though, are called to love. Life is hard. It's particularly hard, I think, these days. The spiritual journey can sometimes seem to be an uphill battle, but it's never without sufficient grace to find the peace and joy the Lord wants for us in eternal life, but also the peace and joy he wants for us here in the eternal present. My friends, we do get the priests, deacons, and consecrated religious that we deserve. And I thank you for your many prayers. We have a fine pastor, no doubt, because it's a fruit of your prayer. Pray, though, that they, these vocations also come from your own families and friend groups. I do thank you for your many prayers. I can assure you it would be impossible to live this vocation out without them. May God reward you for your incredible kindness to me and Father Kleiman. And may God be praised.